name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, through whose kindness we have again received the fruits of the earth in their season. May we ever rejoice in God's mercy and humbly bow our heads before him. Amen. Lord, we have gathered to give thanks. We pray now for the grace that enables us to be thankful, for we are often inclined to be ungrateful for the gifts of life that we have received. So often we have been indifferent to the spiritual and material blessings which you daily give to sustain our bodies and souls. We are blessed by your overwhelming abundance, and yet we live as though we deserved it by our own merit. And if blessings are taken from us, we all become resistant and question your providence and care. Forgive us our ingratitude that always and in every condition we would be your thankful people, offering our praises, blessing you for whatever we have received. Hear now our confession and grant us forgiveness through Christ our Lord. I confess that I have too often been ungrateful and have ungratefully done much that I should not have done, and left so much undone that needed to me. Be gracious, O God, and forgive my sins. By your Holy Spirit, show me those things which are right, and grant me a thankful heart and a desire to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our holy God has long since provided the sacrifice for your sins through the atoning death of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his death and by his command, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise him now as his forgiven and thankful people.
Holy Scriptures for this Thanksgiving Day from the Old Testament reading, Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. And so you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning with the sixth verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. 
And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. Reading of the Holy Gospel from St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We confess together now our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into heaven. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this Thanksgiving Day from the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians verse 18 where the Apostle Paul inspired by God's Spirit says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Business reporter Peter S. Goodman just this past week in a recent article in the New York Times wrote these words. He said, as the employment rate surged to 10.2% in October, reaching double digits for the first time in 26 years, it suddenly seemed possible that the nation might yet confront the worst joblessness 
since the Great Depression. Whatever the state of the national economy might be, and one begins to wonder from week to week whether or not anyone really knows, one thing is for sure. Whenever anyone suggests that any economic indicators are approaching those of the Great Depression, it leaves a lot of folks feeling quite uncomfortable and very vulnerable and indeed restlessly insecure. And it was, too, a very uncomfortable and restlessly insecure audience that there was a radio preacher a number of years ago in the time of the Great Depression named Dr. Walter Meyer, the first speaker of the Lutheran Hour, who went to the studio microphone and spoke about conditions that weren't all that much different, I suppose, than ours. He was talking about the glaring contrasts that existed even in his time between the bounty that was there and yet all of the things that were happening in the country during the time of the Great Depression. And he said, millions of bushels of corn and wheat stored in bulging grain elevators, and yet there are long bread lines in our streets. Gold steadily transported to our shores, and yet there's the most protracted financial stringency in modern history. Unparalleled natural resources and widespread industry, and yet more than 10 million unemployed American workers pacing the streets in search of gainful employment. These, he said, are some of the glaring contradictions that intrude themselves on us this day of Thanksgiving. That was back in 1936, 73 years ago. And those celebrating Thanksgiving today probably have some of the same sentiments and feelings, though not to the extreme that they did back then, because back then in 1936, for those of you who lived back then and remember those days, you know what he was talking about. Some of you may have been listening, in fact, to him on the radio in your homes, because it was a time when the nation was crippled by the strong and the heartless grip of the Great Depression, a series of years when banks failed, sounds familiar, when factories failed, when businesses closed by the thousands, leaving millions of Americans jobless and penniless. We think unemployment is bad now, reaching as it does at, what, 10.2% as the latest indicators gave us. Back then it was 25%. 25% of the nation's workers unemployed. A popular song, you'll recall, of the 1930s was Brother Can You Spare a Dime, which expressed the sentiment of so many people at the time. Thousands of homeless youth left their homes often in order to make it easier on their families, traveling the country by hopping freight trains to get from one place to another, living near train yards in the camps called hobo jungles, begging, sometimes even stealing food if they couldn't get it through relief agencies or through charities. Families lost their homes. Many of them crowded in with their relatives. Others built shacks from flattened tin cans and old crates. Groups of these tin and wooden shacks grew up in cities around the nation, and they were called Hoovervilles named after the president who rightly or wrongly was blamed for doing too little to keep the depression from coming our way. Those were far harder times, those were far harsher times than those times that we know today. And yet, 
It was times like those and it's times like these that caused people to wonder if we can be as thankful this Thanksgiving as we were a Thanksgiving ago. We perhaps to a lesser degree find ourselves asking the same questions that folks back then were asking when they were saying how much do we have to be thankful for this Thanksgiving Day? It's harder to be thankful this Thanksgiving than last. After searching out work for weeks and for months, it's true of people today too, some are still unemployed. Others of us are far less secure in our jobs perhaps than we were a year ago. Others have suffered setbacks in health and we don't know what might turn for the worse tomorrow. Others are confronting family problems that they didn't have a year ago or trying to adjust to living in a new area and making new friends they didn't know a year ago. And still others are sitting down today at Thanksgiving tables without a loved one who sat beside them a year ago. Happiness for many may seem harder to come by these days. Hopes and plans for the future have been trimmed down and they've been trimmed down again and again so that only a skeleton of the original dream remains and you wonder whether or not that dream would ever be accomplished and yet in the face of all this financial hardship and in the shadows of those who were with us a year ago but aren't with us today in the midst of troubles and trials and changes of life that so easily seem to hide and blur every blessing that otherwise God showers upon us our text declares and we as God's people listen to what the text of Scripture says. The text declares that we do indeed have reason to give thanks even in the harder times, even today. In everything, it says, give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. No matter what the circumstances may be, be it the worst of times or the best of times, these, after all, are our times. These are our days to live, our years that cannot be repeated, cannot be relived. These are times that are given but once, and then they are gone forever. In everything, in every time, give place. What is it we say even in our liturgy, as we say it so often, it is truly good, right, and salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto the Heavenly Father. Those words of Scripture, the Apostle Paul, where he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, they were written in times that were much harsher than ours, written to people whose lives were not at all easier than our own. They were written to Christians who had it much harder than we do, Christians who had lost their jobs and their businesses often, not because of a weak economic climate or an economic downturn. They lost their jobs and their businesses often because of their faith in Jesus Christ, which they willingly and publicly confessed. Christians who were prejudicially mistreated without any legal recourse and physically threatened by even government-sanctioned persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Christians who were deserted by friends and so often disowned even by family, 
That's to whom Paul is writing when he says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are also in Judea. For you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did. A persecution he refers to when he commends them for, quote, your perseverance and faith in the midst of all the persecutions and afflictions which you endure, unquote. These persecuted Christians endured because they knew and they believed with all their hearts that heaven was their home, that here they are but passing through, and they were so thankful for heaven as their home that even in the midst of social rejection and terrible persecution, they gratefully confessed, as the writer of Hebrews says, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And speaking of pilgrims, pilgrims who were thankful in the midst of adversity, we can't help, of course, but on Thanksgiving Day think of our own pilgrims in our heritage. The very first Thanksgiving, remember, was celebrated in the site of 40 fresh graves in the newly dug Plymouth Rock Cemetery. The original band of 95 pilgrims, some sources say 102, whichever. But that original band of 95 or 102 Plymouth Rock pilgrims had been dwindled down by epidemic and death in that first winter to 55 survivors, only four of them being women, all the rest being men. But those four women and those 51 men gathered in full view of graves of their 40 family members and their friends with painful memories so close at hand, and they still gave thanks in the midst of the most trying times and the greatest adversities in everything give thanks for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And every time we sing or we hear sung as we did this morning, now thank we all our God, you can't help but think of the author of that beautiful hymn, second only to a mighty fortress, as being popular among Lutherans worldwide. And when you think of who Martin Rinkart was and how he wrote this hymn in the midst of an epidemic that wiped out 8,000 people in his little town, dying at the rate of 40 to 50 a day, and he was their pastor who had to bury them at that rate, and the number of them being so multitudinous that died at one time that they would be buried in, in mass graves, one in which his own wife would be buried, Though driven to desperate extremes to find food and clothing for his cold and hungry and frightened children, he still did not neglect their soul's need, nor the soul's need of his people that he served. And finally, with time, faith triumphed over despair. And in the midst of such personal loss and impending death even for himself, he wrote and he taught his children and his people to sing these words that we heard before. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still 
is ours today. May this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in his grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all harm in this world and the next. What a hymn of faith and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in the midst of the greatest adversity. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. God be praised for everything. That was the motto of a man named Chrysostom back in the fourth century, a confessor of the Christian faith, who said, God be praised in everything. Removed from his pulpit because he was preaching the truth, banished from his country because he was preaching the truth, thrust into misery and abuse because he was preaching the truth, made to flee in time of war to suffer hunger and want, and finally pestilence because he was preaching and teaching the truth. Chrysostom had these as his dying words. He said, God be praised in everything. For you see, Chrysostom do like the Thessalonians knew before him, and like Martin Rinker to the pilgrims after him, that it's often through adversity and in times of adversity that God's people are better prepared for eternity. It's through adversity that God's people are often better prepared for eternity. Our ailments, our losses, our setbacks are often the very checks and they're the very restraints which for our own good God places on our misguided plans and selfish ambitions. They are often channels through which God graciously moves us in a direction that we otherwise would not take in order that he then can govern and reorder our lives and make us reconsider our priorities and reorder our days, lest we be enticed by the world to move further and further away from him. And so even adversity, you see, adversity in the hands of God becomes a blessing for which God's people can endlessly give thanks. Thanks that is generated by confidence and faith that he who spared not his own son but gave him up for us all will surely not keep from us anything else that we need. Someone has put that conviction to these words and says it well, O thou whose bounty fills my cup with every blessing meet, I give thee thanks for every drop, for the bitter and the sweet. I praise thee for the desert road and for the riverside, for all thy goodness hath bestowed and all that thy grace denied. I thank thee for both smile and frown, for my gain and loss. I praise thee for the future crown and for the present cross. I thank thee both for wings of love which stirred my worldly nests and for the stormy clouds which drove me trembling to thy breast. I bless thee for the glad increase and for the waning joy and for the strange, this settled peace, which nothing can destroy. Above all else, as the poet rightly puts it, it's that settled peace that God's people have in Jesus Christ, for which we are most grateful on this Thanksgiving Day. 
that divine gift of our Heavenly Father, which exceeds all others that cannot be equaled by anything and everything in all of creation, namely the gift that he has given us in his own Son. Because in giving us his Son, God has indeed given us himself. And he gave us his only begotten Son, not merely as a small child to be cuddled and coddled and carried about and cared for and then returned to him unharmed, no, he gave the world his son to kill and to crucify for sin. For mine and for yours and for the sin of the whole world, that the whole world might be reconciled unto God through the blood of his only begotten son. That's what gives us that assurance that God loves us and cares for us and will throughout all of time and through all of eternity. And that's what makes us his thankful and his grateful people today. That Luther was among those most grateful people is evident in the beautiful prayers that he wrote for fathers to teach their children at the day's beginning and at the day's end. And it's interesting, note well, that either prayer, be it Luther's morning prayer or his evening prayer, they both begin with these words, I thank thee. I thank thee, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son. Thanks unto God is what begins and ends our days, even as thanks unto God through Jesus Christ is what begins and ends our lives. Thanks unto God in everything, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. A blessed Thanksgiving Day in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and join me in singing the common doxology.
God, for all created things that reveal to us your power and glory and sustaining love. Thank you for the heavens that cover us and the earth beneath our feet, for the sun and the day and the stars of the night, for the snow and the rains and the rivers and the lakes. Thank you, God, for all your servants who demonstrate your love and call us to be your thankful people, for the saints and prophets and apostles and pastors and teachers of your word, for mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and grandparents and friends. Thank you for all honorable trades and useful occupations, for comfortable homes and all for the medicines you bless with your healing power to provide relief from pain and cures for physical ailments, for the fellowship of Christian friends, for and help and encouragement, for good government and peace within the borders of our land, for the strength of our nation, which deters aggressors from without, for the compassion of our nation, which provides for those who cannot help themselves, for the rights we possess, protected by laws. And we thank you, Father, above all things, for your gift to the world of your only begotten Son, for his perfect life, which through faith becomes our perfection, for his death by crucifixion, which through faith becomes the death our sins deserve. We thank you, O Lord, for choosing us for your Holy Spirit who has created faith in Christ within us, for your holy word and sacraments through which our faith is sustained, for the fellowship of your church and for this congregation through which so many have been so richly blessed and have so often prayed together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.